This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Coming up in hour two, Tarek Elbashir from The Athletic will uh, talk to us about Spencer Carberry becoming the head coach of the Washington Capitals. Also, uh, Christians Rubens will stop by. Latvian defenseman, Calgary Wranglers defenseman, uh, scored the game winner in overtime Sunday as Latvia finally grabs a medal at the World Hockey Championships. It is a bronze and the country goes banana sandwich. Uh, just loving it. The visuals coming back from Latvia are spectacular. Christians Rubens will join me in hour two. In the meantime, uh, Razor Time. Daryl Ray, Stars Analyst, joins me now. Daryl, how are you today? Great, Jeff. Great. Glad to have you aboard. Uh, I know it is a... I, I always... Man, when it's funny, too. Whenever one team beats another squad, so as, maybe it's just a, a, a byproduct of, of getting older, but I always sympathize more with the losing team than celebrate the winning team. And maybe that's just a, a one-day thing, but my heart is with Dallas uh, right now. My heart was with Dallas last night watching the uh, the season come to a conclusion. Um, this one was, was a tough one. I mean, it wasn't a, a closer competitive game. W- what's going through your mind as, as you're watching this all last night, watching it all unfold? I, I look, I, I, and it wasn't just like a hockey Homer hyperbole. I, I thought they could do it. Uh, I, I th- thought yeah. getting Jamie Ben back, uh, was going to give them this incredible boost. They take game six and then game seven, such a crap shoot. And they get a shot at it again. Uh, you know, beat the crack and lost to Calgary last year in game seven. And it, it just seemed, mm-hmm. it seemed a lot of the, the things that you need probably to align to come back out of an O three hole were, were there, right? Like it was just uh, the motivation of, of guys like Joe Pavelski and, and again, getting your captain back and the stars bottom six were playing so well. And Jake Ottinger seemed to have found his groove once again, and then splat, they get run over yeah. uh, immediately in, in game six. Uh, six. It, unfortunately, it had echoes of that game seven against St. Louis back in, in 2016, where there was so much anticipation, the city and the building was just, you know, frothing and vibrating. And then it was over in 20 minutes and it felt that way again last night. It was a tough one, no doubt. Um, and I'm with you. I thought the Dallas Stars could do this. Like, I've been saying this all season. This team could win the Stanley Cup. And here, here's the thing yeah. about the Dallas Stars, though, is I don't think that, you know, whatever happens in the offseason, whatever Jim Nill ends up doing here with this squad, I've been saying this all year. The The interesting thing about the Dallas Stars is this isn't just, okay, they've flown too close to the sun and, you know, the wings have burned and they've crashed back down to earth. They still got a few more shots at it here. Like when you look at, you know, windows that are open here for the Dallas Stars, I, I know that no one on the team looks at all the different windows they have, but, you know, guys like you and me certainly can. This team's got a lot of windows on the horizon. I know it stings today, and I, I know no one's feeling great there, but it's not as if we're looking at this team and saying, well, I guess Jim Nill's got to, you know, roll the grenade into the dressing room here. Like this team still has a lot of great, players at a lot of different ages as well and you have the Rupe Hinzes and you know all the 2017 guys and uh, Wyatt Johnson's got 20 goals this season and don't look now but Ty DeLandria just turned an 82 game regular season and uh, and parlayed that into a really nice playoff and in game five I thought he was spectacular you know your thoughts on the the various windows we still see here for Dallas yeah 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that, uh, Jeff. Like they, you know, look they they need to upgrade some areas as every team I think that gets to a point, and then maybe some of your your warts are exposed a little bit. But that that and it, it, it's a weird dynamic where you're always I'm always fascinated by hockey departments that are stitching together old and new, right? Like you have. You don't want to get too moldy, and you you can't be too yeasty. You know you gotta you gotta kind of hit that sweet spot between your veteran guys and their impact because you're obviously going to be paying them a ton of money, and your young guys that have impact because you're not paying them any money or not as much. And in a cap world, you need you need both. But I mean, when you you mentioned the 2017s which is really the the spine here right now with Ottinger and Haskinen and Robertson. But then I, I thought Thomas Harley was magnificent in the playoffs. You know, they, they groomed him in the minors, let him get his feet firmly in place defensively. So you have, you know, Haskinen and Harley both lefty, but they're going to need some help on the, on the right side of, of their decor a little bit. But I mean, you, you add Delandria, you add, add Nils Lundqvist, and, and you have Wyatt Johnson, who just turned 20. That entire group are 24 or younger. So the idea that that this is going to fall apart all of a sudden here because you lost in six games against a excellent, like a phenomenal Vegas team, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. They they can run this thing back with some tweaks and adjustments and and probably build upon the experience that a lot of those young guys got this year. You know, there's a uh, there's a lot of pressure on Jay Gottinger. And listen, a lot of it comes from uh, media and fans. I get it. I'm guilty of it. There are times where I've looked at Jay Gottinger and I've said to myself, and I've said publicly, I, I think we're seeing, you know, the, uh, the next version of Carey Price in the NHL. Like, that's how good I think this guy can be. And that's a lot of pressure. Uh, for for a young hockey player to say nothing of a, a young goaltender at a very very sensitive position, um, we saw some great play out of Jake Ottinger. We had we saw some games that Jake Ottinger would clearly like to like a do over for. Um, how do you look at Jake Ottinger's season? How do you look at Jake Ottinger's playoffs? Well, he came into the season wanting to prove that whatever that was last year in the in the playoffs was not a fluke. And, you know, people have to remind themselves that this is his first season as a clear cut. Number one, like at the beginning of last year, there were three veteran guys, Holtby Bishop and, and, uh, Hadobin ahead of him. And they all get injured. And the kid could have fell on his face when he was kind of thrust into it and played great. And then he had that epic stand against the flames Uh, And that's when I think everybody's eyes got uh, really wide on the potential of, of Jake Ottinger. And then he backed it up. I mean, he was an absolute workhorse. Uh, They, they probably ran him out of gas uh, and it was out of the proper things, right? They were trying to win the division and chase down Colorado. uh, So he was in there a lot and Scott Wedgwood got injured and they didn't have that. They didn't have that easy uh, number two to give him some, I guess a little more respite down the stretch. And in the end, he plays, what was last night, 81 or 82? Uh, you know, it's a, 
there's there's a toll yeah. and uh you know I, I think you saw that in some of the other goaltenders that that had that type of workload this year uh this isn't the days of well, of Brodeur and those guys that can play 75 in the regular season and then all spring because I, I think the modern goaltenders facing uh two or three times as many scoring chances with this wide open game than they did back then where uh, they could stand back there for a while and it was very defensively organized. So look, he, he's, he's going to have an incredible run here as the number one guy. And it was erratic at times in the playoffs this year. Uh, I'm eager to find out what he was playing through because he, he probably was playing through some stuff. And I just think the, Mm -hmm. the workload probably got to him a little too. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm with you about a million percent on the workload with Jay Gottinger. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is, um, and you know this better than I do, originally it was the Dallas Stars. Uh, and I'm trying to remember that it was, it was Kari Lettinen and I think it was, was it was Antti Niemi, the, uh, the battery that, uh, that they had. And it was pretty much a 50-50 split. And oh, yeah, they each won 25 was, games. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, and 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 the reason was like, and, and I remember, I remember who I was talking to in the organization, and I said, well, first of all, you're spending a lot of money on your goaltenders here, and they said, look, oh, we need to, we have the worst travel in the NHL, like, and mm. you know, work workload is an issue, travel, we we need to platoon goaltenders here, and they were great, and it worked out great, and I look at, you know, maybe the best example is Sergei Bobrovsky, because we're all talking about Bobrovsky and Con Smythe yeah. and Hall of Fame, if he can win the cup and all that kind of. You know, who who played those, like, last, what was it, like, 15 games for the Florida Panthers? It was Alex Lyon. Yeah. I, I think, like, I'm with you 100% on this one, now more so than ever. Like, I voted for Igor Shosturkin for the Hart Trophy last year. Not this year, but last year. And a lot of people knocked it and said, look, he didn't play enough games. And my argument was, that's how many games a goalie should be playing. So the goaltender is fresh and ready for the playoffs like I think we need to get used to that and I get it you know 62 games like that's a ton and I I understand what the stars were chasing but I think when you talk about adjustments that you're going to make for next season I really do think that if you're the Dallas Stars you need to get that number of and Ottinger's going to say no way I want to play all of them but you need to get those number of games down don't you yeah in a perfect world it starts with a five not a six uh you know the the workload and and that was you look that was the intent for sure heading into the season and stuff happens Uh, i think bob brofsky was what 50 in the regular season and uh, so he's got a ton of energy and and all that and is on a incredible uh just an amazing run of excellence in these playoffs so uh, and that's what, again, back to the team that, that just knocked them out. I, I am just flabbergasted by how the the Golden Knights were able to navigate their stable of goaltenders and all the injuries that they had. That's that's an incredible thing. A lot of a lot of credit to a how they play and probably b Sean Burke and the work he did, kind of whispering goaltenders. I mean, they used what five. Yeah, <laughs> they used five. They, I mean, Aiden Hill played remarkable uh, in this series. You know, he gave up really one kind of open the window. It smells in here goal, and that was it. Otherwise, he was uh, he yeah. was just brilliant. So, 
Any any team that gets yeah, down so to their get... essentially their third string or yeah. something like that, I mean, you're in trouble usually. And and they weren't. They were. I'm not going to say they were better, but they were the same. The 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 plan ultimately was that it was going to be Robin Leonard's net, and then Robin Leonard had his own um, situation to to deal with, and it became about Laurent Bossois and Logan Thompson, and then Jonathan Quick came in around trade deadline time, and, <laughs> and then you know the emerging star coming out of it was Aiden Hill. You're right. This was like a this was like an Agatha Christie novel with with the characters disappearing every time the lights flickered. All of a sudden, it was the goalies. Every time the lights went off and on, a goalie disappeared. And at the end of it, like just get just uh, as a goaltender, what did you see when you watched Aiden Hill, Razor? Their their goaltending uh, for the Knights, it, it, it was truly like the Black Knight and Monty Python. They just kept getting an arm lopped <laughs> off, and they <laughs> it didn't matter. They continued to fight. Uh, I was really impressed by by Hill. He. Uh, I, I love stories like that. I, I like guys that had to bash around in the minors yep. and were doubted and and hang in and 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 again, you, you know, it, it, the the mental side of it along with the physical and and uh, I think he showed both of that. That's not a, that can't be an easy thing to just you know plow into a series against that juggernaut of an offense of the Oilers and play like he did, uh, you know, and give up early goals and then stop everything for the rest of the night. That, that's, that's an incredible attribute for any goaltender to have, let alone, you know, somebody just diving in because of depth in that. And, and you, look, they, they play such a good uh, system in, in front of their goaltending. I've always loved big, heavy defense cores, and they certainly have that in Vegas. But when they, when they crack, Man, he he came up with some remarkable saves. You know, it's a little bit, I guess, like the uh, NFL and having a a uh, sort of system quarterback, if you will. You know, yeah, yeah. And and you're it, like, it, okay, it, just just don't lose the game for us. Just just make sure you're not the reason we're losing the game. And, uh, and mm. he didn't. And in some ways, he was a major reason why they would win games. Let me, uh, let, let me end on this one, Daryl. Um, just your wide brush thoughts on what we saw this season from the Dallas Stars. Like, I legitimately believed all season <clears throat> long this was a team that could win the Stanley Cup and had the, the personnel and the talent and the coaching and the everything to win the Stanley Cup. Um, I thought that Max Domi was an excellent acquisition at trade deadline time, yeah. and man, was he ever good in this series against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. When you look back, and I know it's still fresh, so maybe there's no there's no greater perspective there yet, but when you look back now at the season that was for the Dallas Stars, what do you think about? Like, what comes to your mind? We'll end on this one. Uh, I mean, one of the major things was a return to balance between their defensive game and their offensive game, which... If you if you look over the last and probably a long time now here, they were either a, an elite offensive team, but a little bit shaky or um, gave up too much ground defensively, or else it swung around the other way where they were one of the best teams in the league in goals against, but really struggled to manufacture goals. And this was one of those years where you look 
up in you know, such balance. Uh, you know, Pete DeBoer came in and believes in four line hockey and they would roll four lines out yeah. and it, it had a major impact on, on some of the veteran guys and it allowed some others to spring forward. They get to the hundred point level again, but they were top 10 in goals for top 10 in goals against top five in power play top five in penalty killing. Like everywhere you look, they were, they were a smoke show. And, and uh, I, I said it throughout. I was like, I want to see the team that can, that can knock this group out because even when they were behind in games, they had the ability to, to rally and, there was just everything that you would want to have in, and then they were extremely healthy, but you have to have that all the way through the playoffs, right? You know, through the years and you you lose either through suspension or injuries or whatever. Um, You lose a little bit of your, your meat and, uh, and then you, you get knocked out. You got to have some of that luck to your health as well. And, and they they didn't have it. I think Domi was a great ad, and so was Dodonov. You know, he 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 yep. fit like a glove immediately with Wyatt Johnston and, and Jamie Ben. They lose him. They, they, you know, that's one more guy. There were guys on the defense corps that were playing hurt, obviously, and and that stung them a little bit. So, yeah, good great season. I think it gets lost when you get hammered six nothing in the closeout game, but they almost won the division. They were balanced. Some individuals had some just absolutely stunning seasons. Hayskin and Robertson. Yeah, just a lot, lot to like. And I'll hope, and it, look, they were one of the four final teams of a league that, that's 32 deep now. That's a good season. Yep. It's a really good season and a really good team and more success, uh, we suspect, is on the horizon. Uh, Daryl, always good catching up. Great season by you as well. Let's uh, let's throw a compliment your way. And uh, look forward to, to catching up again next season as the Dallas Stars take another run at this thing. Yeah, indeed. And go Blazers. <laughs> I was going to say, you want me to throw a Kamloops Blazer question in here? For Quebec Ramparts look good. Uh, Seattle look good. Looks good. Peterborough, maybe not so much. But uh, you, Blazers are you hosting. Elliot, we'll see what you happens and Elliot, here. Your, your yep. OHL bias. You got smoked <laughs> by our WHLers. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It no. wasn't even close, Razor. Oh, man. No, that know. was an epic beating. Oh, boy. Yeah. boy. That was like that London Knights-Brandon game uh, so many years ago at the uh, Memorial yeah. Cup uh, back in yeah. 2016, I believe. And yeah, we've we've stuck it to you guys. You've stuck it to us. That's the way these things go. Uh, always good catching up. And, yes, go Blazers. Love seeing the hometown team uh, win the Memorial Cup. Daryl Ray has been my guest uh, from the Dallas Stars. Uh, they bow out last night, losing 6 nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights. And that is your Stanley Cup final. It is Vegas. It is Florida. Two of the best U.S.-born superstars in the game. Jack Eichel versus Matthew Kachuk. All right, Tarek El-Bashir from The Athletic on Spencer Carberry. Christians Rubens, Latvian hockey star, coming up in Hour 2. Across the Sportsnet Radio Network, this is the Jeff Merrick Show on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
Welcome back. Hour two. Jeff's having some technical issues. Matt Marchese in with you. Until Jeff comes back. I mean, I'm supposed to be jumping on here anyway, so it's not a far stretch. Um, coming up at the uh, bottom of this hour, Jeff will speak to Christians Rubens, the OT hero from the Latvian national team, also Calgary Wranglers defenseman. And, and he'll, ch- he'll chat about that moment when Christians Rubens became maybe the biggest hero in Latvian hockey history. We'll ask him about that. Tarek Elbashir will join us in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about the Spencer Carberry hire in Washington as well. Uh, the QOD today, as I just find it here, uh, Jeff tweeted out, if you're like me and cheer for players more than teams, which player are you cheering for the most in the cup final? Now, I'm sure Jeff would have asked me this question. But when I look at it, the guy that I think I'm cheering the most for is probably Mark Stone. And the reason is, is that Mark Stone has arguably the greatest celebrations for scoring a goal. And even when others score goals, Mark Stone is one of those guys that is so happy for his teammates when it happens that I cannot imagine what Mark Stone's reaction is going to be when he, if he were to win the Stanley Cup. That's That would be of legend if Mark Stone could pull that off. The celebration would be fantastic. And, and I, can't, I can't even begin to fathom what that would look like. So we got a few answers that we came across here and, and some very interesting. Um, We'll start with this one here, and this one from Steve Ness, and he says Jack Eichel, and the reason is great to see him succeeding after the scrutiny in Buffalo with the lack of success, the neck injury being stripped of his captain status. Doesn't hurt that he was also born in Massachusetts as well. The Jack Eichel one was a popular answer here, and I, and I I can see why, because there was a point in time where Jack Eichel was a villainous character across the NHL, and specifically in Buffalo, but a lot of people saw Jack Eichel in Buffalo, especially near the end, and they weren't, let's call it, thrilled with the way that that things went at the end and how things soured in Buffalo with Jack Eichel. He gets traded to Vegas, and early returns on the trade had people saying that that Vegas got fleeced, that you know Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and the picks that went along with it were going to end up being better than Jack Eichel. And I remember... At the time of the trade, and no disrespect to Alex Tuck or Peyton Krebs or whoever those picks are going to be, but I said that giving up that for Jack Eichel was the best move that Vegas could have made. I thought that Vegas made out like bandits. Jack Eichel struggled a bit kind of in the middle of the season. He started out really well. And then he struggled a bit in the middle of the season. And as the season started to wind down, Jack Eichel started to play really well. And we've seen him reach different heights in these playoffs to the point where we're having a conversation about Jack Eichel as one of the elite players in the game again. And that's where, for me, it's great to see. And, and there was a lot that went into that. There was the you know the neck surgery that he had, the ADR that, you know, some teams were not willing to let him get. So not only is Jack Eichel a great player, but there is a chance that Jack Eichel becomes some 
kind of a pioneer in that, you know, he was the first guy to have the surgery. And then we've seen what the recovery has been like. Jack Eichel is among the Conn Smythe candidates for the Vegas Golden Knights. I know he didn't score in this round, but he's been excellent. So really, really nice to see that. Uh, this one, uh, this one from scout and they say Shea Theodore for Vegas because they are, uh, Shea's a, a former Seattle Thunderbird and not a player for the kitty cats, but Roberto Luongo, I can't help it. And yes, this was for players, but you can see how excited Roberto Luongo gets in the box with Bill Zito among others. And to me, I would love to see Roberto Luongo get one. He's just one of those, not only is he a Hall of Fame goaltender, but he's one of the great characters that we've seen in the game. You know, we talk about the honesty where his contract stinks, and, and that was the reason why he never moved on from, from Vancouver because of that contract. And, you know, I I see... I see that and say, I love the thought of Roberto Luongo getting to lift the Stanley Cup. I think that would be fantastic to watch. And another guy who got close as a player, but could never get to that point. He has had international success, but winning the Stanley Cup for a lot of these guys is, you know, especially when you get close, it's it's different. Um this one, this one from Caleb Canford, and I have this gut feeling that it is actually Caleb Sanford, a wonderful little switcheroo there for your Twitter handle. Um, Marcia so and Smith, so Jonathan Marcia so and Riley Smith. It would be wicked to see them lift the cup against the team that practically gave them away. And we we hearken back to the expansion draft where you know guys were getting moved, and, and it wasn't it wasn't just in Florida. They did lose Riley Smith. They did lose Jonathan Marcheseau. But also you look at, you know, Alex Tuck was lost by Minnesota so that they could keep Matt Dumba essentially and all the side deals that went on. But Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith are among the few that are still left from that expansion team that went to the cup final and lost. So there's a there's a nice little story in that. And the other guy that I'll throw in there as well is is Eric Car- is um uh William Carlson who's had an incredible playoff, 10 goals and another one of those guys and we remember the incredible season that he had with the Vegas Golden Knights in his first year there in the team's first year where he scored over 40 goals. And we haven't seen anywhere near that offensive output from William Carlson since, but we're starting to see that player come to fruition again. 10 goals in the playoffs among the league leaders in that category in the playoffs. And he's been wildly successful. Marcia. So and Smith are, are great answers. And so I think that is a, a fantastic story. What both of these teams offer are wonderful stories. Like Sergei Bobrovsky's name came up a lot with these answers. And for good reason. Ben Ritter, hey, we've all had a shot at Sergei Bobrovsky's contract. Up until these playoffs, he really hasn't lived up to that contract. He hasn't been 
you know, you could make the argument that no goalie is worth $10 million anymore, but he hasn't really played up to the worth of that contract. And now you look at what Sergei Bobrovsky has done in these playoffs. He looks like he's worth every penny. Because if they, if Florida ends up winning the cup here, it doesn't matter what you paid Sergei Bobrovsky before. It doesn't matter what you're going to pay him the rest of the way because he's going to be a Stanley Cup champion. That's where that's where the story of Sergei Bobrovsky is so intriguing because not only has he been excellent, but he's been otherworldly to the point where you can look back on these playoffs and say, I got to witness what could be by the end of it, the greatest goaltending performance that we've seen in the playoffs. That's how we're talking. We're talking historically great. So Sergei Bobrovsky's name has come up a lot in this. Another one that has come up a few times. Oh, we have Jeff back. Engineering got Jeff back on the air. What a wonderful day it is. Thank goodness. Thank Well, listen, thank goodness there are smarter people than me out there. Um, and although I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, Lance Kennedy is one of them. <laughs> don't tell Way him that. Way smarter than me. You'll actually uh, make this uh, make this happen. Okay, shh, don't say that about Lance. So what did I miss? What genius radio were you able to come up with there, Matty? I was just going up with some of the QODs that we had, um, and I can throw oh, yeah. it. So what's throw up? A co- what can, I, what can so, I weigh in on? So I'll give you I'll give you the one uh, that I just did, and that uh, was from uh, Caleb Canford, who okay. I have to believe his name is actually Caleb Sanford, and just switch the letters around. But I mm. digress. Um, Marcia So and Smith, it would be wicked to see them lift the cup against the team that practically gave them away. That was one of my favorites. The one they gave them away. Now they they were given away to protect. Was it Goodbranson and Petrovic? I, I so, want to yes. say from the Florida Panthers, I'm I'm just doing this off the top of my head here. They now, but part of the deal was they had to take Riley Smith because I think Florida was going to get stung with the contract that they didn't want the contract, so they're going to have to take Riley Smith and Marcia So got thrown in there. Can't remember exactly how that expansion went went down, but yes, you know what? That would be a good one. That would be wildly appropriate. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, this, this other one is one of my favorites that I've seen on any QOD that we've ever done. Um, this one from Dan, oh, and he says, he says, actually, I'm cheering against a handful of players because I am a sad, bitter little man. Woo. So that's pretty good. <laughs> does he list who the play? Does he does he list who the players are? Now I'm curious. Again, this comes no. back to hate watching, which we talked I, about a no. while ago. The beauty of hate watching something. Yeah, if, Dan, if you're listening, please tell us who you are hate watching in these in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup final. We would love to have that. Um, yeah. an, another yeah. one, another name that came up a few times was Roberto Luongo. Not a player, obviously, but a lot of people okay. want to see Le, Roberto Luongo lift the Stanley Cup. Uh, I had one. I saw one, uh, and someone mentioned Tuomo Rutu, who yeah, listen, I, I remember. Tuomo, I I thought honestly. Honestly, dude, I thought Tuomo Rutu was going to be a star. Like, I thought we were seeing, like, the uh, the emergence of the great Finnish power forward in Tuomo Rutu. I was the biggest Tuomo Rutu fan. I loved everything about this guy, except for the injuries. No one liked the injuries. And that ultimately, you know, cost him the career. But um, I'm down with that. Who or whomever tweeted at me, Tuomo Rutu, I'm, I'm cool with that one, too. Yeah, so, yeah Luongo, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to see Luongo's team win the Stanley Cup. Just 
because of Luongo, but um, I'll throw Rutu in there too. Uh, the other, the other one that uh, was another uh, non-player, and uh, this one from Alex Howe, yeah. WPG. So my guess is Alex is from Winnipeg. Uh, how about GMs? Mm-hmm. I'd love to see McCrimmon win. Kelly McCrimmon did it all at junior hockey. Um, I have a real soft spot in my heart for the uh, McCrimmon family. Beast was one of my players. Beast was one of my favorite, favorite hockey players. He was a, not only was Beast a great defenseman, um, but as far as like some of the stories that I've heard about, about the late Brad McCrimmon um, and how he handled himself within the Players Association, the legend just grows about the things that he sacrificed to hold on for principle at various uh, Players Association um, meetings, the things that he fought for, for, uh, for players. Uh, I've got all the time in the world for the late Brad McCrimmon, so I would love to see a McCrimmon successful in the Stanley Cup final. In this case, that would, of course, be Kelly McCrimmon, uh, who I got to know in my time covering junior hockey, who was always a very straight shooter with me. And one who was uh, like I, I always enjoyed my my time and and still do. I don't catch up with Kelly as much as uh, I did when he was with uh, the Brandon Wheat Kings, but uh, he was always a, a wonderful guy to talk to. Um, real upfront, real straight, um, and he's and I'll I'll tell you why I'd like to see a McCrimmon uh, with his name on the cup. He's making me look smart, Maddie. When I said <laughs> that Ivan Barbashev was the best move around trade deadline time, and lo and behold. Uh, the broken clock is right twice a day. The blind squirrel finds a nut. Uh, turns out that Barbashev was the best trade deadline acquisition. Or at least you can make the arguments that Ivan Barbashev was the best trade deadline acquisition. So, yeah, give me some, give me some of that McCrimmon name on the, uh, the big shiny silver thing. Not to get too far off topic here, but who would, who would be a close second to Barbashev as best, best deadline acquisition? You know who I might be tempted to say? Who's that? Max Domi. Sure. Max Domi was awesome with Dallas. Yeah, Max Domi was really, really good with Dallas. I might be tempted to say... I might be tempted to say Max Domi. Yeah, I I really like Barbershop. Again, off the top of my head, is there anyone else that comes to mind? I mean, the Donoff was really nice acquisition. I might say Max Domi. It almost has to be somebody that goes to the final, though, right? I mean, especially with the – like, you can go to the final and do nothing. I get that. But Barbashev has been better, probably better than advertised, really. He's on their best line. Yeah. He's on their top line they're with co- Eichel and Marcia, so. They're kind of good. He's been fantastic. Yeah. 15 um, points, bud. 15 points. Yeah. Ivan Barbashev. Yeah. Trade deadline. Yeah. Pick up. Small, but, quiet. Oh, Ryan O'Reilly this and Patrick Kane that. Here's Kelly McCrimmon. Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, here, another one that I got, and I, I really like this one because he's really a guy that's bet on himself and really come back from a serious injury is Anthony Duclair. That was another one that came up. Here's why I love Anthony Duclair. First of all, man, can that guy fly? Second of all, man, can that guy fly? And he's coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah. And you know what I really wondered about? I'll tell you, you know what I, and I wondered about this with Anthony Duclair and I wonder about this with anyone who comes off of Achilles surgery. And I wondered about it specifically this season after Max Pacioretty came back and essentially got the exact same injury almost right away. 
I wondered how many players around the NHL, and I did wonder about Duclair, looked at that and said, you know what? There is no way I'm going to rush my return. Even when I feel like I'm ready, I'm going to take an extra two weeks. Like, would you do that? If you were a player and you just saw what happened to Max Pacioretty, I would. I think you should. I would have done that right away. I said, e- you know what? Maybe considering what the nature of this is. And the other reason why I love Anthony DeClaire is, well, first of all, he's bounced around a lot of different teams and he's found a home with the Florida Panthers. And the, one of the wonderful things about the Florida Panthers is there is an expansion team vibe about them with players not wanted on the voyage elsewhere who show up, your Carter Verhage's, your Brandon Montours, and to your point, your Anthony DeClaire's all show up on this one misfit team put together by Bill Zito, former agent. What? Agents can't be general managers. Um, Turned AGM with Columbus, turned general manager with the Florida Panthers, and it all fits. And don't forget about Duclair, where once upon a time, uh, John Tortorella even wondered if he, quote, knew how to play hockey. Well, the guy who, you know, some wondered, could he even play hockey, might just end up winning the Stanley Cup here. So, yeah, I like, uh, I like Anthony DeClaire there, too. Uh, park that conversation. We'll pick it up as the, uh, as the show concludes a little bit later on. In the meantime, a pleasure, as always, to welcome to the program from The Athletic to comment on one of the biggest pieces of news for this day, and that is Spencer Carberry signing on as head coach of the Washington Capitals. He is Tarek Al-Bashir, and he joins me now. Tarek, how are you? Good to be on, good to be on the uh, airwaves with you once again. How are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing great. You know, nothing like uh, getting the biggest story of... <laughs> Of the off season dropped on you the day after a holiday here in the U.S. <laughs> First thing in the morning. I, I was it's all good. I I, I get it. it it's uh, but you know, but here's the thing about this one. Uh, and I know that Spencer Carberry interviewed with uh, a, a number of different teams, and he was a hot commodity. And I think the last time you and I chatted, we were referring to him as like you know the new young coaching hotness in in the NHL, and he very much seems that way. Um, the thing about Carberry and the Washington Capitals, you know this a lot better than than I do. You cover this team full time. Was there not this idea that Spencer Carberry was the one that got away? the one that you couldn't have because the circumstances weren't right and we have a coach and we're not sure if he's ready and he's off, you know, from, from, from Hershey to the Toronto Maple Leafs bench to help, you know, uh, fix that power play, etc. There always was this idea that he was the one that got away, but they were going to do whatever it took to bring him back, true or false? <laughs> So, Jeff, are you reading my laptop from Toronto somehow? Literally, the leaf of the story I'm writing for The Athletic right now is Spencer Carberry was the one who got away. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I have I spies everywhere. <laughs> I have spies. Spies everywhere, um, Tarek. I have, I have eyeballs behind you right now. <laughs> it, it absolutely is the case. Um, and you're right. The things didn't pick yeah. up a couple of years ago when, when, when they were looking to yep. make a change. Um, and they felt like they were a team that was still, you know, uh, the window was still propped open by a couple of inches. We need that veteran um, um, hard ass who can come in and, and ring the last little bit out of the Alex Ovechkin era. And they turned to Peter Laviolette. They, they just they, they, they respected Spencer Carberry. They thought he would do a great job. They just didn't know if he had the bona fides, if he had, if he had the chops yet to, to lead an OV-centric group. Um, and so they tried to keep him in the organization. They tried like heck. He felt like he got, you know, maybe um, uh, recruited over a little bit there. And, and uh, you know, his opportunity to get to the NHL was, 
was to join the Toronto Maple Leafs as an assistant coach. So he bet on himself and went to Toronto. The Caps yep. were disappointed that he was leaving the organization, but they had to get their guy. So they got they got Laviolette. Yep. And the moment, from it's my understanding, the moment that they parted ways with Laviolette, their their attention immediately turned uh, to Carberry. Um, you know, they had to wait until the Leafs um, uh, bowed out of the playoffs before they could formally discuss anything with him. But he was the guy mm-hmm. from the beginning. The reason it took so long, I think both sides just wanted to be sure that it was the right fit. Carberry was now the hot commodity, up-and-coming young coach, He and a lot of people wanted to talk to him. So he granted those, those conversations. He went around and he talked to a number of teams. The Capitals, on the flip side, even though Carberry was the guy they wanted, they wanted to also talk to a number of other coaches just in case things didn't work out with Carberry. But also, you know, when you're making a change, you only get the opportunity every two, three years when, when you're a general manager and, and ownership and you're making a change at coaching at head coach. You can bring in other ideas. You can kind of pick the brains of other people who've seen you play. You can bring in, you know, an assistant coach from Tampa or from Philadelphia and say, you played this a few times last year. What did you see? What didn't look right? What did you like? And so the Capitals use this opportunity to, kind of, you know, get a feel for how they're perceived around the league. But it was always going to be Carberry if if they were able to come to terms. And um, according to my sources, they hammered out a four-year deal over the last um, uh, few days. And uh, mm-hmm. he was officially announced about an hour ago. The, the, the way that one person described it to me um, was having a conversation this morning. Um, they said that uh, essentially what it came down to was – uh, in Nashville, it was either going to be Carberry or Andrew Brunette, and Washington finally just said, "Let's end this. Let's end this right now." To your, to your point about the contract, let's just make, let's just end this right now uh, and not let this guy go twice. To the best of your knowledge, is that accurate? That feels accurate. Um, there were a number of teams that were beginning to zero in on Carberry, and I know they started feeling the capital started feeling the pressure of, the, of, of getting him. And I think that's why you saw a first year NHL head coach get a four year contract. Remember, Laviolette only got three years. You know, three years kind of feels right. like the you know the, the typical deal for for a coach in, in the league, and he got four years. That's actually one year beyond the expiration of Alex Ovechkin's contract. I mean, that's a long a long contract for the Capitals. Um, you know, here's a team that for a long time didn't, how do I put this delicately? They, they, they felt like, um, you know, the players were, were the show <laughs> and the coach, the coach wasn't quite as important. They, they've had a history of hiring first year head coaches and giving them, you know, shorter term yeah. deals and, um, uh, you know, really taking care of the players and not maybe giving as much respect to the head coach. It changed a little bit with Laviolette. But the fact that they gave a four-year deal mm. to Spencer Carberry tells me that he had other offers and could have gone elsewhere. Oh, for sure. And they probably kicked in. A, they yes. probably kicked in another year and probably brought up the the money. I haven't nailed down the money that, yet, but they probably they probably uh, kicked in a little extra cheese there to to make sure that he didn't walk away. Yeah, they got their man. Uh, you know what? And and listening to you talk about this, I I would imagine. And again, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but it sounds very much like the the let's end it part of the contract here was the fourth year. 
That was yeah. the, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do the standard three. It's going to be the four, and we're going to end this conversation right now, and Spencer Carberry uh, is going to be ours. So the same person that I was speaking with this morning about Carberry said to me, uh, it was a, a long pause, and then he said, and if Carberry wants to be successful, he will make sure that everything runs through Alex Ovechkin's one-timer. Do you believe that to be true as well? Um, I mean, he look, Carberry made a name for himself the last few years as running the star-laden yes. Maple Leaf power play. He's going to be yes. charged with the same task here in D.C. Now, the, you know, the stars here in D.C., they're a little longer in the tooth. They're a little older, but they're still stars. They're still egos that need to be stroked. And there's still Alex Ovechkin who does what he does from the left circle, and everyone knows what he's going to do, and he does it anyway. So, yes, I, I, I do believe that one of Carberry's biggest um, mandates is going to be fixing a power play that has slipped over the last couple of years. Um, you know, it had, it had one great mm. year, I want to say last season, but that was kind of, I don't want to say that was an aberration, but it, 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 for, for a while it has not been as consistent as, uh, as good uh, for as long, for long stretches as the Capitals need it to be. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. And if you, if you watch the Washington Capitals play in recent years, you know what Ovi's deal is now. I mean, he doesn't have the wheels that he used to have. Um, he doesn't have the physicality mm-hmm. that he used to have, but he still has that, that one timer. I mean, the power play is almost, it's almost amazing because, you know, they still do the drop pass like a lot of teams do now. Ovi just saunters over to yep. the bench, to the blue line, and he just kind of stands there and he waits. They get the entry and then he goes to work. And that's, and that's how they're going to win games here. Probably next season is going to be Ovi getting 20, 20 or so power play goals, um, if not more. Um, uh, so, yeah, absolutely. If Carberry wants to ingratiate himself to the most important person in the organization and also get some wins, <laughs> the first conversation he's got to have. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll even say before waiting until – if he's smart, he's going to be booking a, play, a flight it's not, it's not easy anymore, but he needs to go into Moscow to meet with OB and have a little conversation over there with him and kind of, you know, get the, get the, get the ball rolling. Um, how much contact would there have been with, uh, with, with Carberry and, and the guys that are on the Washington Capitals roster right now? Anything at all? I, I would imagine there, there have been some conversations. Look, the, this roster is going to – there could be some, some – I don't want to say overhaul – but there could be some significant changes being made to it this this offseason, depending on you know I what agree. Brian Stone, the general manager, is able to you know able to pull off. Like I, I think he wants to make some big moves. He has to find a dance partner. It's really complicated to make hockey trades. It's hard to make the salaries mm-hmm. add up. It, it's going to be tough. But I, I would imagine there were some conversations with, with regard to Ovi. Ovi has never wanted to be LeBron James. Like he doesn't want to be the puppet master in the background you know, telling the GM and the owner what he wants and making demands. That's not how he operates. He's never been that way. Season ends, he unplugs a little bit. He wants to be kept abreast. He wants he wants ownership and management to come to him and say, hey, listen, here are the guys we're thinking about. What do you think? Or, hey, we're leaning towards Spencer mm-hmm. Carberry. You've worked with him a little bit in training camp. What do you think? But he doesn't want to be the guy who's, you know, always in the background, like working different angles and, and you know, um, um, making big decisions. That's not I, – I think he probably would be afforded that opportunity if that's how he was wired. That's not how he's wired. So I would imagine there were some mm-hmm. phone calls between management and ownership and Ovi, who's over in Moscow, about um, 
about what direction they were going in, but I, I don't I don't imagine that there was like some huge like you know multi person Zoom call where you know they they had a, a secret vote as to who they wanted for, for head coach Brian McClellan is a pretty decisive guy. I've yeah. covered him for a number of years now, nine years now. He kind of he kind of listens to everybody, and then he goes, "Okay, I'm going to make a decision." And then he calls everyone back and goes, "Okay, I made my decision. Here's how we're going to do it." And um, I got to imagine that's probably how it works. Let me finish, Derek, and um, by, by asking you a question about Alex Ovechkin, because I've I've heard two different like like everything in this industry. I've heard two different scenarios here, because to your point, like so much of all of this revolves around Alex Ovechkin, and it should. Um, on the one hand, I've heard the organization is you know once again trying to make sure that Alex Ovechkin is as comfortable as possible, and everything is going to run through him. And then I've had other people say the complete opposite that the organization wants to make things a little uncomfortable for Alex Ovechkin next season, figuring that if they're going to get back to the playoffs, he needs to be challenged more or put in situations perhaps that he doesn't like or maybe roster decisions around him uh, aren't going to be to his liking, but they want that kind of ornery Ovechkin showing up to the game, not one uh, where everything is great and everything is fine and nothing is out of place at all. Do you know which statement is correct? Because I keep vacillating between the two because I keep hearing two different things. I, I, I would probably go more with the latter, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, they mm. traded his good buddy, Dmitry Orlov, at the deadline. That was not an yep. easy decision for this organization to make. That's his close friend. That's his, that's his Russian buddy. Um, that's a guy he's been yep. with, you know, with, since 2006. I mean, a long time. You know, these are families that vacation together in the summer, you know, like that was a hard decision mm. for the organization to make. And I don't think Alex is all that happy. I, I heard he, he he bristled pretty, pretty um, uh, forcefully about that decision. Um, uh, not specifically about, uh, yeah, it really was kind of, why are you trading my guy? Uh, like, are we really going to do this? <laughs> and I think once, once they, once they explained yeah. that, hey, listen, it's not working. Even if we get into the playoffs, Alex, we're going to go out in the first round. So, like, why are we going to keep pretending like we don't need to retool here? And what we need to do is go get a first-round pick before everyone else goes and gets that first-round pick from Boston, and then we can go um, uh, make a trade for for a good player. So what do you think? And I think, you know, he probably relented reluctantly. Um, uh, But I think you're right. I I do feel like um, there have been been some times and I witnessed it this year where things just seemed a little too comfortable given the, where, the position of his team in the standings. And Alex has been challenged in the past. This has, not always been, this has not always been a country club around here. I mean, they have brought in coaches that have pushed Alex. Um, um, Alex has not always been best friends with, with everyone, uh, with every coach he's had here in D.C. Um, I, I would imagine that they're, they're going to want to turn up the heat uh, for lack of a, a, a better term, under him to to kind of you know get the best out of him these last few years because if he just you know becomes a power play specialist who you know can skate on the third line, I mean, that's not good enough. That's just the, the, when you have a guy who makes nine point five million dollars, like that's not that's not good enough. That, that that's not going to work with the way the um, uh, within the structure of the salary cap, you got to get more out of that guy. I thought he had a pretty good season last year, Thought he had a pretty good, but there were some times, particularly down the stretch after, after five veterans got flipped to the deadline where 
you know, you would have wanted to see more from him. Um, there were some, some games down the stretch where you're like, yeah. And he was a little banged up, too. He was a little bit banged up. But there were some games where he looked sure. a little disconnected and maybe not quite as engaged as you, you, would, you would have hoped for a team that they probably weren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, they didn't. But, you know, there were some times where they were within three points. And, okay, well, can we get a big game out of, out of our top guys? And it, it didn't happen. And um, I think if this team is going to have uh, any success in the near term, um, I agree with what you said. That they're going to have to get more out of Obi. They want to get successful. Just bubble wrap John Carlson. <laughs> like when I look at it, Tarek, like I, I know we got to wrap here, but like that, that that's the one thing. I, I think the Washington Capitals were done in by one injury, and that's yeah. John Carlson, who just showed how valuable he is uh, to that team specifically. Um, I got to hustle. Tarek, thanks as always for stopping okay. by. Great job on the uh, on the Carberry file, and we will catch up soon, my friend. And look look forward to this this piece that apparently we're co-writing. <laughs> Give me a call anytime, Jeff. Uh, uh, it, it'll be published tomorrow in the Athletic. <laughs> looking, looking forward to it. The uh, the great Tarek Al Bashir from the Athletic Loop for his piece on Spencer Carberry, uh, the new head coach of the Washington Capitals. Uh, we'll step away, and when we'll come back, we'll talk to Latvian defenseman Christians Rubens, who scored the overtime win. Oh, what a beautiful goal too! Uh, to send Latvian into uh, onto the gold medal section of the podium and send Latvia into a a frenzy of hockey happiness over the weekend. Uh, Ruben's coming up next. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network. Simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back in a flash. Diving deep into the biggest stories in Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hey, welcome back to the program. We are trying to get in contact with Christians Rubens, who is, uh, I would suspect, in Latvia right now, maybe still celebrating. I don't know. We saw the thousands out there on force yesterday as uh, the plane carrying the uh, hockey players was landing and then the big celebration as uh, everybody in Latvia just thrilled. Uh, about the hockey team uh, winning bronze at the IIHF World Hockey Championships. So we are endeavoring once again uh, to get in touch with Rubens. I would love to chat with him here, Latvian defenseman, Calgary Wranglers defenseman for all you AHL fans out there. Um, has played for the Belleville Senators, played for the Toronto Marlies as well, a handful of games for the Maple Leafs. Um, um, I sideways joke that he's trying to get through the entire the entire slate of Canadian American Hockey League teams, but nonetheless, we'll stand by for Christian Rubens. Uh, hopefully, we can get him, although he wouldn't be the first player to win a successful championship and then maybe not answer his phone. I remember 2011. I remember I remember the Boston Bruins wouldn't let Brad Marchand do any interviews at all. This is like even like a week after a week after the Bruins had uh, had won the Stanley Cup. I remember when I was doing Hockey Night in Canada radio, uh we had Brad Marchand booked and then the Boston Bruins unbooked him and then I had Tyler Sagan instead and Brad Marchand was in the car. Uh, while Tyler Sagan was doing the interview. Sagan wasn't driving. Someone else was. Um, but I could hear Brad Marchand from the back seats. Um, <clears throat> how shall we say overpoured? <laughs> how about that? 
Anyhow, I digress. Uh, Maddie Marchese, who saved us at the top of the hour. Great save. I'll still get the win, but you get the save on this one, Maddie. Um, back to the QOD. And today's question of the day is, if you don't cheer for teams, like I don't cheer for teams. I mean, I am very happy for Latvia. I will cheer for that team in the World Hockey Championships. But generally, I tend to just cheer for players. I want good things to happen. Oh, we do have them. Okay, Christian Rubens from uh, Latvia and Calgary Wranglers defenseman joins me now. Christians, thanks so much for doing this. How are you today? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, as you can hear, I don't, I don't really have a voice, but I'm doing just great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, we've all seen all the uh, the videos coming back, and you know the whole country is in this massive celebration. I've, you know, I, I've talked about one of my one of my hockey dreams is to go watch hockey in Latvia. I just think the world of Latvian hockey fans who travel to all these international events and whether their teams win, whether their teams lose, it doesn't seem to matter. They're just happy to be, you know, be part of everything and just enjoy hockey. Uh, before we talk about the games and yourself, do you just have a couple of thoughts on, on Latvian hockey fans and could you see them as the plane was landing yesterday? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I have no words to describe what, us players and the country is feeling right now. Obviously, we had around 50,000 people coming out last night. Um, and uh, obviously, I think all of us, all of our fans, families were watching the TV in the game. But yesterday, flying through Riga airspace, uh, we did see fans. And it was just, uh, I, don't, I don't think you can find words to describe uh, the feeling of you know, having the whole country coming out and, um, you know, just cheering for us. And, uh, you know, they, when we qualified for semis and went all the way to Tampere, um, it didn't take them long to find tickets and, uh, you know, fly all the way to, to <laughs> Finland. So uh, it's just one of the best fans uh, you can ever ask for as a, as a player, as an athlete. Um, I just have no words. Uh, I keep my medal around and... Everywhere I go, um, you know, I'm just getting chance. So it's uh, it's pretty crazy uh, on the crime rule. I- I think it's outstanding. Um, you know, it, it's interesting too. You know, uh, watching that game and then talking to people afterwards, and you know, right away I, I started thinking about you know Latvian hockey players that have you know played in North America, played in the NHL, um, players that have gone before and sort of laid a, a foundation for Latvian hockey. Whether it's you know Archer's Urbe or I, I mean, I was you know I'm old enough to remember Helmut Balderas. Um, who, you know, we didn't get a chance to watch the best of Helmut Balderas in, in the NHL with the North Stars, but he was spectacular, as, as I'm sure that you know as well. And we're really starting to see a rise in Latvian hockey. I am curious, who are some of your heroes or who are some of your, you know, Latvian hockey playing idols growing up? Yeah, when I was, when I was younger, um, obviously Sandis Wozolinch was one of my uh, favorite players. Um, and, uh, Carlos crossed inch as well, obviously two, uh, two unreal defensemen. Um, that just, uh, was so much fun to, to watch when I was younger, but to be, uh, to be honest with you, uh, when I was younger, I didn't really have the chance to, you know, watch, watch North American hockey. And obviously the, the hour difference and, uh, not really having the resources sure. to, 
to watch the games itself. So it was always just the newspapers or uh, mouth to mouth, as uh, as people say, to you know hear how they did it and. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, remarkable, and, and uh, I'm just happy to fill out this kind of a dream that we all had, but never really thought it was uh, was going to be ever accomplished. You know, every hockey player dreams about scoring a goal that changes their life uh, forever. And you mentioned walking around with your medal and people celebrating. You've probably bought your last meal, bought your last drink. You're going to be, you know, celebrated for, uh, for forever here. Take us back to the goal. Take us to overtime against the USA. Um, take, take us back to that moment where, where the shot left your stick. Yeah, uh... You know, I got on ice and uh, I saw Dogovins, obviously our captain, uh, kind of turning on wheels and and getting past the defenseman. And uh, I just felt like I should join the rush. And you know, a couple of seconds later, uh, later I see the puck bouncing and everything. What I had in mind was just to hit the puck when it kind of comes down. And and uh, <laughs> as I did it, and you know, it was just something. On I I don't think I can really remember truly what happened because my eyes went all blue um but uh you know it was just it was just a good effort by all the players at the time and then you know when you see the puck in the net uh i truly didn't know what to do um it was just a moment where um i'm pretty sure i'm going to remember for the rest of my life and as i said it's probably going to change my life but uh in that note uh obviously scoring a goal is is a great thing but um the group we had this four championships um, I wouldn't be there without them, and we wouldn't be here with all, without all the fans that support us all the way. So, the um, the ovation in the arena. I mean, it, it, it. I mean, I'm just watching it on television, and it sounded loud. What was it like? You know, after you score and you start celebrating, are you aware of how loud that crowd was when you scored that goal? Yeah, uh, actually, a funny story. <laughs> My teammates actually, after uh, this goal, kind of squeezed me in the corner and I fell. And uh, I was screaming really loud, uh, <laughs> let me out, because uh, I felt like I could get injured in there. Because uh, everyone was bouncing, everyone was jumping. And, uh, you know, when I kind of got out of the crowd, um, I kind of soaked it all in on what just happened. But it was just full emotions. You see Captain Dogwins crying. Um, you know, you see coaches crying. You see fans um, they're, you know, going crazy and, and, and everyone's just so cheerful and, you know, it's just, yeah, uh, it's just full emotions. And, um, I think it's gonna, it's gonna take some time to kind of settle down and, and, uh, truly realize and go back and look at it as, as, uh, something truly, truly special for the country. It, it, it's incredible. And I, uh, you know, listen, uh, Latvian hockey fans are beautiful and I'm sure you've seen, uh, the pictures and the videos of Latvian hockey fans, you know, laying flowers at the U.S. Embassy and and wreaths. Like, it, it is like Latvian hockey fans, to me, have, I've, I've always said, are like the most creative and the, you know, just some of the some of the, 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 the best hockey fans in the world. And you probably don't have the, the full snapshot of how that goal is going to change your life uh, for, forever uh, in Latvia. But, you know, since since you've been back, you know, what are the, what are the conversations that have, that you've had? Uh, maybe some of the text messages from people, anyone famous, uh, either called you or texted you. And what's what's the nature of your life like right now? 
A uh, bunch of Instagram follows, a bunch of Instagram text messages. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of a lot of big people. I think one of the big biggest one who was actually with us all the way was uh, Chris Porzingis. Um, you know, a basketball player in the NBA. He was uh, he yep. was with us the whole way. Uh, he wasn't in temporary, but you know, getting a message from him and obviously our president himself. We just landed in and uh, he invited us to, you know, kind of his place, and we all had. Uh, uh, an honorable uh, cake all together. So, uh, and then obviously uh, players, coaches from North America, older coaches and and uh, GMs. So it's been, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've I've been I haven't really looked through all of them. I think there's a couple more that I haven't really mentioned. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's been kind of crazy. I've been uh, I've been driving kind of for a couple hours, and I got stuck in traffic, and then. Uh, kind of pulled out my medal out and uh <laughs> and people just uh let me through so uh it's just crazy um so kind of kind of ego on my part but uh you know it's just it's just incredible and trying to enjoy this moment and um yeah just thankful for the, all the people that came out and uh, supported us and i'm still getting still getting my text messages come come in at nights and days and it's gonna take some time to answer to to, uh, to you, you and your te- you and your teammates should have your own lane on the highway. If you've won a medal at the World Hockey Championships, you can drive on this lane. But only people that have won medals uh, at the World Hockey <laughs> Championships that is that is a wonderful thing. Pulling out the medal to get out of traffic. I'm I'm really impressed with that. That is a uh, that is a real baller move. Uh, let let me end on let me end on this one. I mean, this is such a, a magnificent moment. Um, for Latvian hockey. It's a magnificent moment for you. It's a magnificent moment for your teammates, coaching, staff, management, all of it. Um, I'm sure you've taken a, a, at least a couple of moments over the past 48 uh, hours to, to think about hockey people and family that were important in your life growing up that led you to that spot where you could score that goal in overtime against the United States. Who are some of the people that, like some of the bigger people that helped you along the way, the most important people in your life? Uh, definitely my, my parents, my mom. Um, you know, she was working two jobs day in and day out, um, working at a gas station at nights. Um, and then, you know, not even going to bed, just waking me up in the morning and taking me to practice or school and then driving me all the way through Riga. Uh, you know, we have traffic a lot here and, you know, just, um, really giving her, like her kid or me, uh, the chance to play the sport that I love. Um, you know, she's been, uh, my number one, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, all the coaches that gave me the opportunity to be, in the spot I am today, um, you know, going all the way back to Latvia to my first coaches and and then obviously uh, people in Medicine Hat, my first uh, North American year, and then then the Growlers, Toronto, um, Ottawa, Calgary. Uh, you know, throughout my throughout my career, um, there's been a lot of coaches, a lot of people, a lot of teammates that you know, helped me to get to the point where I am today. Um, I'm just uh, super thankful, and I uh, wish I could just uh, tell them all of them, um, you know, how important they've been in my career. But uh, at the same time, uh, I'm not finished yet, so <laughs> still a lot of things to do. No. Nope. Y- 
you have a lot of hockey on the horizon. This was uh, this was a really nice stop here and a really great uh, historic moment for you and, and all of Latvian hockey. Uh, I'll let you go on that. It sounds like you have traffic to interrupt with your medal. Um, Christians, thanks so much for stopping by today. Congratulations again. I think everybody in the hockey world is just so over-the-top thrilled about what you and your team were able to do on the weekend. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you very much. Christians Rubens from uh, from Team Latvia, bronze medalist. Uh, Rubens scored the overtime winner against the United States on Sunday. Uh, Calgary Flames um, player. He's under contract with the Flames, playing with the Wranglers. And, you know, he's an interesting guy. He mentioned Medicine Hat. So Christian Rubens um, came over and played, I want to say, two seasons with the Medicine Hat Tigers and then, you know, wasn't drafted. Uh, was signed by the Maple Leafs organization with the ECHL's Growlers and went to went to his first camp and then almost immediately signed an American Hockey League deal as well. Like he went, I think if I have my timeline right on Rubens, I think he went from ECHL contract to American League American Hockey League contract to NHL contract in about two years to go from an ECHL to an NHL deal in two years. Really skilled defenseman. Really, like, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for that whole team. I'm happy for Latvia. I know, I tend to gush about, I'm just so happy that Latvia, that this happened for them and that they earned this and their fans are rewarded. I just think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Heavy on time. I want to thank Christian Rubens uh, for stopping by. Tarek Al-Bashir, Daryl, Razor Ray, and Elliot Friedman. Uh, all of our guests today and Matt Marchese for bailing me out at the top of the hour and for Lance Kennedy for fixing stuff. Jen Rolnick for making it look good. Thanks to you for listening and watching. We're back tomorrow for the Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet Now. Have a great day.